Amen. Amen. Praise God. How many of you glad you came to church today? It just seems like we just saw y'all. Amen. <laughs> we always enjoy coming. Appreciate so very much your pastors and them uh, having confidence in, in us enough to have us come back as often as we have this year. But they are a blessing. I'm going to tell you, hang on to them, love them, uh, encourage them, uh, listen to them. Amen. <laughs> Follow and uh, go where the Lord is leading you as a body. Praise the Lord because God's got good things uh, in, in store for your life. Praise the Lord. So before we get started, I'm going to ask uh, my wife, Pastor Tammy, to come up here and just share her heart for a moment. And, you know, however that moment lasts, so you go for it. Amen. Okay. Good morning, Winners Church. It's good to see you guys. Um, man, praise and worship was just awesome this morning. It always is. I love to be able to come in and not have any responsibilities back here <laughs> to do any of anything. And I, I can just enter into the presence of the Lord. And you guys are just always so encouraging. Your exhortation is just always so powerful. I just, I, I love that about you, Nakia, and you guys, I mean, I just, I love it. I love seeing Andrew, like, man, back from where he was when he was 14, 15 years old when I first met Andrew and seeing him grow and leading people in the presence of the Lord. Your worship team is just such a blessing. You, you guys just flow with the Holy Ghost, and I appreciate that so much, being able to come into a place and just, uh, just be free to worship the Lord. And, um, it's just a, always, always an awesome time when we come here, and I, I know it, he just he he just he meets us here, and he is just so powerful, and we make ourselves available to him, and you know that is so important for us to make ourselves available to the Lord, and I know when you were talking about the first thing you did is you checked out childcare, you made yourself available. God, we got to do something else. You know, this is expensive. And, you know, some of you may have grace that you, you pay for child care. There may be, you know, things in your life. But for them, those guys were putting their faith on, we got to do this. So with that part of hearing, that is part of making ourselves available. Um, when we make ourselves available, what we hear from him may be different than what somebody else hears that we're supposed to do. Um, you know, but that is, that is the, there is a freedom and we talked about freedom. You said something about freedom, Nakia, today in worship. And I thank God for his freedom. But we also can get real confused about freedom and iniquity in our lives and what that means. Well, the first thing I, I was just waking up this morning. And, and, and as I did, I, I heard the Lord say, um, people get freedom and iniquity confused. And I got to thinking about that. And I know Jesus was bruised for our iniquity. Thank God. Aren't you glad? Because that's lawlessness is what that is. And it's doing what we want to do, when we want to do it, and how we want to do it. And you know, we have a real battle with that in our lives. Every one of us do. We really do. Because there's so many times, and I know you guys have pastored long enough, God said, and you know when people come to you and say, God said this and such, and you know God didn't tell you that because that doesn't line up with the word of God. You know, that you're looking at iniquity there. And so, uh, I don't know, that's just, that was just on my heart this morning. I haven't really had a chance to search it out. But I am thankful for the freedom and the liberty in this house. 
I am so thankful for that. But it doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do, however we want to do it. Amen. We have a young couple in our church that just took a church church about an hour away from us back home. And um, they've come into a whole new uh, arena when you've taken on a church that's an older church and with people that are there. And so they're setting some ground rules about worship and about, you know, you come and we have practice. Well, some guy walks in with his guitar, you know, right about the time church is going to start and says, I'm going to play with y'all. And they're like, "Mm, no, you're not. (laughs) Hadn't been to church in a couple of months. and goes, well, I'm used to doing it this way. Mm-mm. We can't do it that way anymore. That's not how we're doing it now, you know. And there's things like that in our own life where the Lord will say, I used to do it that way, Lord. And he says, uh-uh, you're not going to do it that way anymore. And that's the difference in that freedom and iniquity and knowing which is the difference and growing with him and hearing his voice and learning to flow with what he is telling you to do in this day and in this hour right now. We're going to need to be able to hear his voice in this day and hour like never before. It's crazy out there, y'all. I don't have to tell you that. It's crazy. People's thinking is crazy. We've got to be able to hear from the Lord. So anyway, love you guys. All right. Awesome. (laughs) I'm telling you, she, she should let it rip. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. It is so true. The devil's crazy. Amen. (laughs) And his people are crazy sometimes. Amen. Glory to God. So, uh, so before we go into this, how many of you feeling under the weather any in the, anybody in this place? Praise God. Hold that hand up high. All right. Would you mind uh, standing to your feet? And I think we got some Christians around you that, that practice laying hands on people and, and believe in God for healing. Let's pray for them right now for God to touch them. And heal them. Let's let's arrest this bug. There's a bug, and it's it's affecting our church too. And I got up this morning, just kind of ticked off a little bit about it. It's like, nah, we're we're going to put an end to this. I'm telling you, when you start praying about things, things will change. Father, we pray for healing today. Lord, you are the healer. We serve a God who is healing. So, Lord, we ask you to stretch out your hand to them, and by faith we lay hands on them today in the name. Above every other name, the name of Jesus, we call this thing out. We command this thing to turn loose. Lord, we declare this thing has to lift off of them and go in the name of Jesus. That whatever symptoms are presenting themselves, that right now it begins to turn the other way. Lord, whether you instantly heal them or it's a progressive walking it out, they will recover. And we declare that today. We say it is done. We don't allow it any longer. Lord, we claim that promise today and latch a hold of that, believing that our God is performing a healing in their body in the name of Jesus. Lord, go beyond even the current thing. If there's other things going on, touch those too. Lord, fix us. Make us well. Heal us every whit whole. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Even depression, even anxiety, 
Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. I do appreciate the worship too. I, I want to say how much it, it has blessed me and it just encouraged me. And, and, and boy, you'd always tell that moment that, you, that you've entered and you've gotten in the, the presence of God. And I love that. You know, because we all have a daily routine. Now, we're all supposed to live in the Spirit, but, you know, we got stuff that's, that's often just the routines of life. And when we gather, you know, when we gather together, don't forget this. You have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but he also calls you to gather. You know, the first anointing in the body of Christ came as the church had gathered. So the, the church was born in a corporate anointing. So you can't divorce yourself from the corporate anointing as many do today make that mistake because they think I can overcome everything with my own personal faith. And that's a mistake. You know, there, are, there, are, there is this interdependence that God has called us to in relating to one another, relating to our pastors, relating to church uh, leadership, relating to one another that releases us in a greater measure. Uh, there is that realm of, yes, I can stand in my own faith. You should develop your faith. You should practice your faith. You should extend that, exercise that, and get stronger in that. But never uh, buy into the lie that that gathering is, uh, is just something of the past that people did uh, in another time because uh, we need to gather even more, the Bible says, as we see the day approaching. Amen. Everybody say, Jesus is coming. So we're going to need each other. And need what each other has. You know, many times in my life, I was healed because I submitted, my, submitted myself for prayer. Uh, and I would have been standing and believing. Sometimes, you know, even in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I didn't want to have hands laid on me for that. I didn't want to do that at the altar. I, I, I saw other people get baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they, they, they acted out. And so me being a Baptist, you know, I was like, I don't want to do that. Uh, but then I, I would go home at night, and I, I prayed for three nights all night long to get filled with the Holy Ghost. I probably could have if I'd understood it a little better, but, uh, but it didn't, didn't happen. And so finally, I had to ask. And when I asked, they drug me up to the altar, and they prayed for me after a Sunday night service, and I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's how it came. And it was like, well, why couldn't it have come the other way? Well, probably because I needed to learn how to lean the way the Lord was saying I needed to lean. I needed others. Amen. Everybody say, we need each other. We need each other. We need each other. And, you know, here's one of the things about needing each other that, you know, is, is coming to my mind right now is that sometimes we, we think we, we only want to attach ourselves or, or relate to people that are perfect. But you know what? I've got news for you. You're all jacked up. Everybody's got issues. Everybody is, is at different levels of growth. Everybody, everybody in the body, some of us are closer to the Lord than others. Now, he loves us all. In his mind, we're all there in his presence. But, but to us, you know, we might, some of us are more on fire than others. Some of us are more leaned in than others, more zealous than others. And, and so sometimes we're like, God brings into our life somebody that, that's not quite there. And we're like, have I got a blessing or a curse? But if I go to church with them, maybe I'm supposed to be a blessing to them. Maybe I'm supposed to lead the way just by, exempl by ex uh, example and showing 
my, my, uh, my, my compassion in the Lord and, uh, and being a blessing to them. And I've, 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 I've seen some stuff over my time of being a Christian. You know, I've seen this time of we can't be associated with anybody that's got any problems because they might contaminate us. But here's one of the things. I understand that, but I understand that in the realm of if I'm so weak in my faith, then maybe I don't need to. But what happens when I'm not? What happens when I really am serving? Maybe I'm supposed to touch them, help them, bless them, minister to them, and influence them. Maybe it's God's going to use me to help them come up, and I need to get strong enough where they don't drag me down. And what if you're married to somebody like that? See, we live in a time where divorce is just so easy, and it ought not be like that. Now, I'm not going to condemn anybody. If you've had a divorce, people have had failures, and I mean, sometimes marriages are dead. But listen, sometimes we're in a marriage and it's struggling, but, but two people are still trying to move towards the Lord. Maybe they can't get along at the moment, but you know what? Every marriage goes through that. Now, there's times Tammy and I, we hated each other's guts. And we were pastoring. We were pastoring a church but could not stand each other. Literally hated each other. You know, she would just pray, Lord, I want you to take them. Take them home. <laughs> it's true. Maybe you've prayed that prayer too, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> Jesus said I got in trouble for it. Amen. But here's the deal. We are madly crazy in love with each other right now. But we are that way not because it came overnight. It's okay. We are that way because we had to fight through and we had to sort out what we thought was important. I'm telling you, when you're, when you're newly married, there's a whole lot of things you think are important. That the older you get, you realize it's not that important. And, you know, we realized that when we were younger and married, we would have to go through this emotional quagmire in order to connect. And it's like, what good is that? I mean, finally it realizes, why do I have to go through all this debris and, and rehash everything forever in order to just get it off my chest so that I can feel good and safe with this person. You finally realize that that's a lot of waste of time and energy, and those are my issues. Why am I making it their issue? Maybe I just need to set some things aside and just come together and live. Praise the Lord. And we, we have learned that those things are very important, and God called us together. God told us made a choice for us. And so stick with God's choices as long as he says that's his choice. And he doesn't change his mind like we change our mind. Amen. This is all free. Amen. This is, this is free. Praise the Lord. Everybody say, I love you, Pastor Ben. <laughs> Amen. What we're about at Christian Fellowship is strong marriages and families. In that order, I have to say, in that order all the time because there's so many Young couples, especially when you're raising kids, that kids swallow up everything and they make kids the center of the universe. You should never make the children the center of the universe. Mommy and daddy are the center of the universe. The children are like planets going around the sun. And they need to all, because I'm telling you, there's, there's a real importance and a need today 
for moms. I'm telling you, if, if the home, if, if marriages and homes would get a touch from God, boy, it would be revolutionary for our, for our nation. And boy, just the simple truth of making sure that that child understands that, that mommy and daddy are here at the center of things and they can gravitate and have a security and a peace. When children are gods, they don't have peace. They, 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 uh, they, they go through all kinds of funny places as they grow and develop. I, I did a thing one time where I, look, I saw this guy that I, I didn't read too much about because this guy was really evil. But he, uh, there was a guy in history named uh, Marquis de Sade. Uh, he, was a, he was an evil character, and uh, he was an aristocrat. And, uh, and he was pushing every boundary in his time. They would lock this guy up. I mean, he was a pervert. He was everything that you don't want to be, but he was an aristocrat. Aristocrat. I started to say aristocrat, but he was aristocrat. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, finally, somebody had talked to him, and that's what caught my attention. Somebody talked to that guy and said, why are you doing this? What is it about you that you just want to push every boundary in your life? And the anger boiled up inside of him, and he, he answers, and he says, I'm just looking for somebody to tell me no. Nobody will tell me no. So they don't love me. And I'm like, my God, this guy probably went to hell and is burning today just simply because he had nobody in his life no parents, because he was an aristocrat. <laughs> aristocrat. <laughs> Nobody told him no. And I thought, my God, how much could his life have been completely different and constructive if he had learned what no meant by people that cared? Hallelujah. And you know where it starts? It starts with dad and mom. Praise the Lord. And dad and mom, let me give you some advice. Uh, don't fight in front of your kids. If you got to fight, you got to talk. You know, all, all couples fight. But don't be ugly. You know, don't be destructive when you fight. But, but when you have disagreements, don't do it in front of your kids. They need to see a unified front. And so if, you, if you're struggling with things with your spouse, then get in the place where their kids are not involved and talk about those things and settle those things. Praise God. Well, marriage is on my mind a whole lot right now. But I encourage you. I encourage you. Listen, it's a good way to build strong marriages and families. And you can overcome. You can get to new places. You can get to, to places in your marriage over the course of time that, that does make it like heaven on earth. Where I'm telling you, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Hallelujah. Everybody say, thank God for marriage. And you know, some people in our church aren't married. And they're like, well, every time you preach on marriage, I feel left out. And I'm like, Why? I'm trying to prepare you for the day. Do you want to get married? Well, yeah, I want to get married. Well, then God put that in there. So somebody's cooking in the oven somewhere in your life, and you're cooking in the oven right here. And so one day, God's going to bring you together, and you're going to be glad you sat through all those boring sermons on marriage, and you got something to work with. Praise God. So don't tune out because you're single. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Well, thank you again for having us come. We live in an interesting time. We live in an interesting time. I'm excited about the time that we live. You know, I, I feel like we were made for this time. We've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. We've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So this morning, if you, God laid this on my heart. 
Uh, and I want to preach this to you today, share this with you from Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 2 and 3. Something that I think gets misunderstood, but you need to be sure that this is part of your armor, part of your armory in, in the places where you draw upon in your life as a Christian, especially in these times, because these times are, are troubling in one way, but at the same time, they're exciting because things are happening. And so I want to kind of talk to you about this and share, share this with you, and we'll see where it goes because I know that the Lord's got a plan in this. I, I do New King James, so if, I know that a lot of the, the ones you'll put up there are, are um, ESV. But in this passage of Scripture, he says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Amen. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. And he also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I will trust and not be afraid. Hallelujah. You know, I'm hearing winds of the Holy Spirit, whispers that are, that are telling me. Listen, I, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is, is sharing with me that 2024 is going to be an extremely troubling time for America. Extreme, I, I, don't, I don't get prophetic here, but it's going to be an extremely troubling time for America. But for the church, it's going to be one of those great opportunities, great opportunities for us to demonstrate and be where we are. You know, everything that's been going on has been a prep school to get us ready for moments that are thrust upon the planet. We're literally at the threshold of World War III. I don't know if you know that or not, but we literally, I'm not kidding, we really are. We're in the, on, the, on the cusp of a global war of all these players that are coming together. And it's like, could things like that happen? Yeah, they could happen. Two other ones did happen. But it's like, you know, the trouble is like is brewing and cooking and seething and all of this stuff that's been happening with Israel and, and all of that. There's a prophetic significance in that stuff. There really is messaging from heaven in the stuff that's been happening the way that it's been happening. When I drew out this passage of Scripture, the background of this passage of Scripture is this is known in the passages as victory songs. Victory songs that commemorate God visiting just recompense upon the nations that oppressed his people and now restoring healing his people to his people and to their nation. So he gives us a tool here to respond to things that he's doing when he starts rattling the cage. Listen, there are times, I don't know if you realize this, maybe maybe, maybe y'all talked about it or not, but uh, you know, I went, I went through uh, uh, biblical Hebrew for five years and sat down with instructors and teachers from the University of Jerusalem in Jerusalem who were teaching uh, biblical Hebrew. And I went through that whole thing. And with that comes a lot of understanding of, 
of things. And thank God all my teachers were not just Jewish. They were many of the, uh, several of years were Christians. They loved the Lord. And so their perspective was different as a Christian. Now we're not Jews, but we are Gentiles. But sometimes we don't see the mirror image of things overlapping their self and affecting the nations. But that, that little spot of real estate over there seems to always affect the, the attention of, of global leaders. Why in the world would something about the size of New Jersey be capturing the whole world all the time. And now it's just constant because of what's happened. But when, when, when they got attacked the other day from, by Hamas, and Hamas is in the, in the Bible. Hamas, it means violence. Uh, so when they got attacked around the 6th of this month, they were in the midst of celebrating the great day of the feast called Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles. That has significance uh, because all the feasts were really seven days, and then the eighth day was the marking of a beginning of something. And there they are, that great day, the high day, they get attacked while they're, while they're in a Sabbath rest. What's significant about that too is that it was 50 years from the last 73 war where they were attacked by all those other nations. And I'm going to tell you, 50 is significant in that it signifies a jubilee. A jubilee is like, the, the regular work week plus one and that extra day that God throws in there is always a day that things that have gotten away from us begin to return to us. There's a great restoration that is happening in the midst of it. See, there are some of us, we've been bungling around in our Christianity and we've missed opportunities, we've missed things, and we feel like, gosh, that opportunity is gone forever. Well, I got news for you. There's ways that God has of bringing us into certain seasons where all of a sudden the shift of the Spirit, the anointing of the Spirit comes into play where things just start coming back and it's like God sets us and resets us for another time. See, on the eighth day of Sukkot was also the ancient time that the priests that were serving in the temple and serving in the tabernacle experienced, and the whole nation that gathered, they were required to come and gather and present themselves before the Lord. That was also the time that the manifest presence, the, the, the ancients said the tangible presence of God would come upon the temple, and they would encounter the tangible presence of God again on that eighth day. As God would descend. And those rabbis say that when God would descend in the tabernacle in the wilderness, you know, it was made out of curtains, that literally all that eighth day when the presence of God would settle upon it, it would begin to breathe. They could watch the tent go, just inhale and, and go out as the visible manifested presence of God descended upon the, the tabernacle again. Hallelujah. <laughs> this is actually why Jesus... When he was in Jerusalem on the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles, he stood up and he began to cry out. And he started talking to people about the Holy Spirit on that last and great day of the feast. And it says in John 7, 37, on that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Everybody say, I'm drinking. And he who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart or out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke concerning the spirit whose, 
whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Hallelujah. You know, he did this, and the connection with this with Isaiah is that while Isaiah, uh, that passage of Scripture, was being spoken by the priests, there was actually one priest who was in charge of this. He would walk out in the courtyard where the dust was there. And, of course, this was at the time of the year, like right, right just a couple of weeks ago. And how many of you know that we just had a long, hot summer? Did anybody enjoy the extreme heat that we had for the duration of time? Michael's like, yes, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't like it. It's like, man, it was, it, was, it was just super hot all the time. Reminded me of some stuff when I was a kid. But see, it would happen in Israel every summer. All of a sudden, it would quit raining. It would start drying up. And, you know, those days, they, they, they had, their water became very Precious toward the end of that long summer. Water, you know, a lot of evaporation occurred, a lot of challenges occurred. And here's the priest serving the Lord on this great day, taking a big pitcher of precious water that everybody knows has increased in value. And he walks out on a dry place in the courtyard of the temple. And he begins to quote Isaiah. With joy you'll draw water from the wells of salvation and pour that water upon parched earth. And Jesus stands up and cries out about that water that they're all watching get poured on that dry ground on that eighth day of the feast and said, we need to get to drinking. Those who believe in me need to get to drinking. I don't know if you know that you're supposed to behave this way with the Holy Spirit, but you are. You are to be a drinker of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Everybody say, I'm supposed to be a drinker. <laughs> well, what does that look like? Well, you know, part of what we were doing just a while ago was we were pursuing God and going after God. We were, you know, this whole idea of praise and worship is not about the songs we like or the songs we don't like. It's all about me being a priest in the house of the Lord. Do you know the Bible calls the church a kingdom of priests? Everybody say, I'm a priest. I'm a priest. If you are a Christian, you are a priest. And you know what priests ought to do when they gather? They ought to offer sacrifices. That's what the whole idea of a priest is. A priest comes with sacrifices. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ ought not be filled with priests who come to the house of the Lord with no sacrifices in hand. That is not the design, not the model, not the thing. Listen, uh, Christianity is not a spectator sport. It is a participatory sport. I was, I was concerned I wasn't going to get that word out of my mouth. <laughs> you know, the word for fellowship, that the early church gathered and had fellowship. They broke bread and had fellowship. The koinonia, the connection, they had fellowship. You know, fellowship means that they participated. They participated. Not that they sat back and watched and waited to see what would happen. They were stepping out into the place by faith and saying, I'm come with my sacrifices to the Lord and God's going to come. 
You know, every day that we gather, once a week at least, when we gather in the house of the Lord, we want the touch of God. We want God to come into the place. I'm telling you folks, I, I'm sure you've seen it here, but I mean, I've seen times in past where the presence of God came like a rushing mighty wind. I mean, literally, where people's hair was blowing as God whipped through the place. Were Baptists that were standing in there that you didn't realize how Baptist they were until they jumped up and ran and started flipping their Bible for some strange reason. That's what they do. They grab their Bible and start looking, <laughs> trying to connect with what they're, what's happening with what you know, they're trying to connect with Scripture, and it's just, it doesn't really work. They just have a divine encounter that rocks their world. And I'm telling you, the days that we're in. Do you think that God is going to allow us to come into days that are so troubling on the planet without an answer? See, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord does what? He lifts up a standard. Everybody say, He lifts up a standard. You know what that means? That means a flag. In the ancient times, from England on back, when armies went out to war, the only way, because they didn't have the capacity of the electronics that they have now, the only way they could tell which way they were supposed to go is the guy that would lift the right flag. And so they would know, when this flag goes up, I do this. When this flag goes up, I do that. That flag was called the standard. So when God lifts up a standard, he gives us a signal of where we're to run and where we're to gather and what is about to really happen. And I'm telling you something, it excites me all the stuff. Do I believe that this could happen? Well, it could. I don't know if it is, but it doggone sure looks like it might. But even if it does, do I think that God will forsake me? Listen to me. I'm not one of these people. I've, ne I've, I've looked at all these eschatology charts and all that stuff, and I'm not an eschatology preacher at all. But I've never, I have never found any way to get to the place where the church got, has to go through the tribulation. Maybe you have, but I have never been able to arrive at that place some reason, my thought of having to go through the, the uh, tribulation and face the Antichrist to get my head cut off and all, there's no comfort in that. Right. It doesn't edify me one bit. I don't see how Paul could say, comfort one another with these words about the coming of the Lord when it's attached to all this ugly that's going on. I believe this. I believe that the faithful in Christ Jesus... I believe when you serve the Lord, listen, God puts his name on you. God puts his mark on you. And God clothes you with his spirit. You've been equipped with power. I'm not looking for the antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, I heard a preacher say this the other day. The world may go to hell, but the church is going to heaven. And you know, part of our, part of our theology, part of the practice of our faith, has to be more than just the practical daily grind. We also have to have a future and a hope. I'm going to tell you something, Saint. I don't know what you've been going through in your life, but it cannot be compared with the glory that will be revealed in you. There's something cooking in you, and when all this is said and done, you're going to be in the presence of God forever and ever and ever. The church belongs to Jesus. 
And I'm going to tell you something about how the Bible tries to convey things to us about the end times. It tells us when Jesus comes, it's suddenly, like a thief in the night. It just comes suddenly. However, there are all these other scriptures that you could look at that, like Paul telling the Thessalonians, that you ought to know the times and the seasons. You ought to know the times and the seasons. You know the way the Holy Spirit worked in a group of Israelites called the sons of Issachar? He anointed them to know the times and the seasons, what Israel ought to do. Now listen, we talk about the anointing of the Holy Ghost for me to heal the sick and cast out devils and talk in tongues and all that. What about the anointing of the Holy Spirit that tells us what time it is? Don't you think when the the drawing of Jesus that there ought to be something? You know how many people I've heard say just in the last little preachers? Like, I thought I was depressed. I felt like an overwhelming depression was coming upon me until I realized that the Holy Spirit was leading me in places of groaning and intercessory prayer that I haven't been in in a while. And I'm going to tell you, some of us in the body of Christ, that's where we really are. We're not depressed. We're being called upon. The devil hasn't got an edge. The Holy Spirit is saying, I've got an agenda. And I want you to pray that thing into the earth. Listen, we got to get away from the idea that if God just wants to do it, he's going to do it. There is some truth to that, but that's not a complete truth. There are some times he's looking for a vessel. And you know, we always think he's looking for the preacher. He's not always looking for the preacher. He's looking for the Christian. My God. Some of the greatest moves of God that have ever happened on planet earth came because an ordinary, what we would call an ordinary saint, heard God and stepped out. Think about the apostle Paul and just a simple disciple named Ananias who's just serving the Lord. You don't hear a title. You don't hear anything other than a certain Christian, a certain disciple named Ananias. God says, I want you to minister to this guy. And this guy changed the body of Christ and is still changing the body of Christ. I want you to lift your hand up and say, I want to change the world. Hallelujah. I think we got to get to ideas that God has ways that when we pray, when we trust God, when we're aware. Listen, it's not normal life anymore. We cannot get back in this nation and in this world to places that we were before. It's moving forward, and, the, and if you, it looks like the world is getting darker, well, because it is. I mean, we're, um, the society is not getting better. We may have more money than we used to have, but look what we do with that money. We're so confused today, we can't tell what gender we're, we are in, 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 the, in America anymore. I mean, they're doing things that are crazy. And what it is is a church, if we're not coming up under the Holy Spirit, we can get swept into some of that stuff too. I'm I'm shocked. I'm disturbed over how many Christians that I personally know, Christians that that at one time were spirit-filled, loving Jesus, even in revival Christians, touched and used of God even in revivals that have departed from the faith, that have turned to universalism or have turned to New Age, who have turned to the Far Eastern philosophies of chakras and yin-yang and all this crap that doesn't have a place 
in our lives as Christians. That's demonic. That stuff is, is devils. <clears throat> and I think to myself, what has happened? Where in their life did they fall into a place where they even opened the door for those things that they knew better than to do? And it's like, my God. You see, in my mind, it's like, you know, maybe I go a little overboard with the stuff. I mean, you know, I, I'm a little different. You know, I, 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 I don't even, I, if I go eat Chinese food, I don't even crack open a fortune cookie and read what's in it. Even though I know it was not a Chinese guy who wrote this from philosophy and wisdom. It was just some white guy probably working on an assembly line who thought of something he saw in a cereal box that morning. But here's the deal. The whole idea behind it, it's like I don't need that word banging around. I, I'm not that desperate that I got to get a prophetic word from a fortune cookie. I hear from God. I don't need to hear from a fortune cookie. <laughs> You're going to meet five wonderful people today. My God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are y'all ready for me to move on? Amen. Listen, Jesus jumped up on this day and he began to declare, I need you to come to me. See, when Jesus left planet earth, he ascended into heaven. He ascended into heaven on day 50. On day 50 of the whole process of the resurrection and rising from the dead, he ascended into heaven. And what happened is that the Holy Spirit came on the day 50. And it was a jubilee and a beginning. You know, that whole baptism of the Holy Spirit is really related to Jesus going into heaven and sitting down at the right hand of his Father. It was a mark that said Jesus is in heaven. Our talking in tongues, our gathering around spiritual things, praying in the Spirit and stirring the Spirit, it's all a reflection that we believe Jesus is Lord. Every time you pray in the Spirit, you are declaring Jesus is Lord. I don't know if you know this or not, but every time you pray in the Holy Spirit, and I'm talking about praying in tongues, you are declaring that Jesus is Lord. See, no man can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. See, and when you pray in tongues, we know this. Your pastor's taught you this. When you pray in tongues, the more you pray in tongues, you're opening up a door for other things to start showing up. See, there's a whole lot of stuff that's sitting down inside of you, buried up under the earth. Then if you'll start taking the key and sticking it in the lock and turning the lock, your door would come open and you would start stepping into other things. But if you won't be faithful with the one thing, Now, y'all help me, I'll, I won't preach as long. Amen. <laughs> we want to be faithful with what God has given us and not be asleep at the wheel. Not be asleep when it ain't time. Listen to me. There's a, there's a parable we don't like, not too many people talk about anymore, but something I can't get out of my spirit is the parable of the ten virgins. Anybody heard this parable of the ten virgins? Do you know that the ten virgins is a story of the church. It's not a story of the Israelites. It's a story of the church. And he talks about 
the virgins are now in the chamber and the, the masters, the bridegroom is coming with his party at any time. He's been away with his father, the bridegroom has, because he had already arranged to marry. But he had to go prepare a place. That was always the way it was. They had to go and prepare a place. And when his father said, okay, the place is ready for your bride, now go get her, he would descend in the midnight hour and have these other dudes around him, his company, they would start shouting, the bridegroom cometh. And it would stir all those virgins and the bride to jump out of bed. And the Bible says that there were five out of the ten that were ready and five out of the ten that were not. The five that were ready had oil in their lamp. And the five that were not ready did not have oil in their lamp. What do you think that oil represents? The Holy Spirit. You know, uh, here's something about your life as a believer. If you got baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1985, and then you never pursued getting filled again, you're pretty dry. You know why you need to continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because you leak. You got cracks. You got bugs. You got things that cause the leaking of the oil. That's why God gave you a promise of continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. So when that bridegroom announced that he was coming down, the virgins went out with the oil and met him. And they went away to the marriage chamber for seven days. Which is a whole typology of the rapture of the church and going away to heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb while seven years of terrible things happen on this planet. I don't know if you know this or not, but this planet is really heading for terrible things. There's stuff that is prophesied that is going to happen on this planet that is frightening. So guess what? I don't want to be here. And you know what? I don't want anybody to have to be here. You know what it does when things like this happen? It causes me to realize, you know, how asleep are you? Have you just lollygagged and thought, you know, all things will always continue as they always have, and then you find yourself a sign of the times on the wrong end of the thing? Or do you kind of like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look. I'm going to get fuller. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shake myself awake. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some rattling and shaking around the world of of the sphere of my influence and say, hey, we need to be awake. Because the Bible says that those foolish virgins, you know what they did? They ran to the marriage chamber and they did something called beating on the doors and asking to be let in. And they said, nope, you can't come in. It reminds me so much of Noah's Ark. When finally the rain came. And when the rain came, you know what the Bible says? God said, get in there. And God closed the door. When God closed the door, it wasn't Noah. Noah had no control. Noah just obeyed. And I'm, I'm sure there was a ton of people out there banging on the door. And you know Noah, he's probably, I would love to let you in, but I can't because I ain't in control of that. And it's like, man, I'm telling you guys, in, I heard it said this way, you know, in, in every church there's going to be people Hopefully not here. But the, but the Sunday after the rapture, even the day after the rapture of the church, they're going to find themselves in the church crying and saying, I wished, I wished I had listened. 
you know, we need, we need to, in, in one way, not frighten, but in one way, teach our children. Teach our children. You know, the day that Noah left the ark was the eighth day. Brand new world. I really believe this. I, I, I don't know. I can't shake it, but I really believe this. I believe that when we, we hit the 6th of October and this war broke out in the Middle East, and specifically on anniversaries and specifically the brutality, they haven't seen this much carnage since the Holocaust. And what has it done in the world? Have you noticed? It lit a fire that's burning all around the world, and it's drew lines that I didn't think existed like they do. Do you know in Berlin, Germany... They are putting Jewish yellow stars of David and marking all the Jews' homes like they did in the early formation of the Nazi party. Something you never thought you would ever see again. And people are drawing, even within our own nation, they're drawing a line. that you're, you know, It's not about the Palestinians. I'm going to tell you something right now. They didn't want that land to begin with. All the stuff you hear on the news is a narrative that's been created that did not really exist. They didn't want it. Every time they were offered it, they said, no, they want one thing, and that's the annihilation of the Jew. And God has promised in the Bible that there will come a time called a seven-year period, seven-year tribulation, the, the 70th week of Daniel, that I'll return to them and I'll finish the work. And that has nothing to do with us Gentiles other than when we see those kinds of things cooking, it serves to remind us once again, he's coming. And he will come suddenly. Should that be frightening to us? Absolutely not. I've met too many Christians in my life. Oh, don't tell me about the coming of the Lord. It scares me so bad. I'm like, what are you, what, why? Why are you scared? Are, are, you, are you not really right? Are you not really where you're supposed to be? Well, then it ought to serve you in the sense of, well, I need to get ready. Everybody look at your neighbor's side. I'm getting ready. How about you? See, that whole eighth day thing is about the final end gathering, the final harvest, the final end gathering. Three, three weeks of harvest through the whole season of feast, and finally they come to the end, and the final week is upon us, and the final end gathering See, we've always preached, your pastor's preached it, I've preached it, I've heard it preached a, a thousand times, that there's going to be a final harvest. There's going to be a final revival, a final moment where God, out of his gracious mercy, sticks his hand in the earth and begins to light the flame of gathering in the last of the crops. I love the prophetic pictures in the book of Revelation. The Bible says that there's a time where the angels stand over the earth, these two big giant angels, and they each have sickles in their hand. And one guy, he sticks his sickle in the earth, and all the wheat is reaped out of the earth. And then the other angel sticks in a sickle, and he sticks it in and, and cuts out the grapes. And we know that to be the grapes of wrath. You know, the wheat is always the souls, always the people. Always the people, that, that, that final push, that final harvest is reaching out to gather into the family of God. And here's what you don't see in the Greek, but it, but it says it in the Greek. That when that angel stuck his, his sickle in the earth, the Lord said, hurry up and do it before, it before it spoils. And that the wheat was actually at the edge of being in the field too long. 
that it would have started rotting and molding if they had waited any, lo any longer. Here's what I take out of that. I take that God waits to the last possible moment. It may look like he's asleep at the wheel and too much is going on that he's not in control of, but I'm telling you, brother, he's kind. He's merciful. He didn't die on the cross in vain. He wants everybody to hear and respond to him. And when the Holy Spirit, listen to me, when the Holy Spirit is really working in our lives, where we, God can use us, where we can be I even turned, used this term the other day at church, uh, like when, they, when the Revolutionary War happened in America. You know, it was a whole army of citizen soldiers. We, we uh, this nation, its early formation was up against the, the strongest military in existence. The British Empire was the strongest military in existence. And so they had to form just a farmer citizen army that they called Minutemen. And you know why they called them Minutemen? Because they could jump and be alert and ready at a moment's notice. And I think that the church is full of, of people that God, citizen soldiers that God is calling upon to be prepared at any moment. Not just prepared for the trumpet to blow, but I'm talking about prepared in your job. That when somebody, when an opportunity, a doorway opens up, minister to somebody, preach to somebody. Let's believe God for our family members that are not serving the Lord. Let's believe God that God will release an anointing that will shake them and rattle them. Maybe it will take some of the things they see on the planet to cause them to ask some questions. But somebody be, better be there with an answer. Because you're not going to get an answer from CNN. You're not going to get an answer from Fox. Another thing to practice in this Isaiah passage, he says, with joy, you draw water from the wells of salvation. I'm going to say something about some of the things that I have encountered. I know your pastors have encountered them too. We encountered those days where joy was sweeping the church and people were laughing and the spirit. And of course, there was always a lot of people that were just mimicking things but I at least looked at it that they were trying but there was a whole lot of people including myself when the Holy Spirit touched us in that way it was overwhelming and I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative that when it happened that there was enough wisdom around us that told us that this is, this is more than a feeling this is more than emotion this is more than just a fad that passed through. This was something that God was equipping you with. Okay. That from this point onward, just like praying in tongues, it was not something to be practiced at the moment only, but something to be picked up and exercised at all seasons of life daily. 
And you don't always feel like praying in tongues. You don't always sense the presence of God when you pray in tongues. Your mind will fight you when you're praying in tongues and your flesh will resist. But you do it anyway because you know that's who I am. Well, the same is actually true with joy. Joy in just its existence is just a noun. But when it's picked up and it's exercised, and it turns into the action word, word of the verb. It's called rejoice. When you begin to rejoice, you begin to express joy. Laughter is one of the highest levels of expressing your joy. Smiles. Having that upon you and learning to walk in that state of existence as a Christian. When you exercise joy, God says, I've given you a tool that you reach down into your well. If you're a Christian in this place, I want you to put your hand on your belly and say, I have a well. Yeah. See, there's rivers and wells here. There's rivers and wells inside of you. It's interesting that Jesus met a woman at the well, the well of Jacob. And he starts talking to her about water. He tells this woman that there's a well that has water, that if I give it to you, it will become in you a well. That's interesting language, but go back and look at John chapter 4. There's a well, but it becomes a well. There's water that's supposed to become in you a source, something that you begin to exercise toward. When you recognize I have a tool called joy, that God, if I use it, it reaches down inside and it taps into water that's in me and it pulls up in my life things of Jesus. The word for salvation in Isaiah, with joy you'll draw water from the wells of salvation, is the word you're probably familiar with and it's called Yeshua. Y'all sing that song, Yeshua? I love that song. Everybody say Yeshua. Yeshua. What's that a name of? That's the name of Jesus. So the wells of salvation is talking to the believer about wells of Jesus. Jesus is in my heart. Jesus, my Savior. Jesus, my Lord. Jesus, my Deliverer. Jesus, my, de my, my Blesser. The one called that will never leave me. The one in me who reigns in me, my Lord. My God, my King, Jesus in my well. Do you realize that when you ha, 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 you're pulling up. Well, I didn't feel a thing. Well, keep pulling. Sometimes water is very deep. I've got wells around the area where we are. Some wells are just a few, uh, few you know, 50 feet down and they hit water and some wells are hundreds of feet down. My well at my home is 316 feet all the way down. 316 feet before you hit good water. And you know, when they were out there drilling, they were in the coldest part of the year and I mean the ground was frozen solid and they just keep drilling, 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 drilling. They were over there for over a week and then they hit water. He hit that water and he knew that water's down there but we just got to keep drilling. You realize that when you go ha, 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 especially when you're having a hard time. Go ahead, man. When you're having a hard time 
and your emotions don't want to do it. Your feelings aren't there. Your, your mind is, is resting on the, the trauma of life. And you decide, I'm going to ha, ha. I'm going to drop all that. I'm going to ha, ha, ha. You're drilling. You're reaching. You're oh, dropping yeah. the bucket. And when you hit water, oh, yeah. when you hit water, it's the water of your deliverance, the water of your healing, the water of your salvation and welfare. I think sometimes we don't know how to bring Jesus in on the scene. And my friends, I want to encourage you. We need to learn to practice this in these days. While all the kind of stuff is going on in the world, listen, I think, I think the sixth of this month, I'm just going to say, tell you what I think. If I'm wrong, great. We'll, we'll work it out. But I think the sixth of this month marked something. I think it marked the beginning of a new world for the nations. But it also marked a beginning of, the, of a new world for the church. The presence of God. The agenda of heaven. The final push. The final thrust. Like I said, I'm not looking for end times. But when end times start looking at me, I go, wait a minute. It's really getting close. The hour must really be getting late. Jesus is coming. And so I want to get fired up. I don't want to be asleep. I want oil in my lamp. I mean, if there's ever a time you need to get a lot of hands laid on you, if there's ever a time you need to start praying in tongues, if there's ever a time you need to start learning how to resist life by practicing things like joy and faith. I'm telling you, it takes faith to exercise stuff like this. I don't always feel like laughing, but I'll tell you, if I, if, there are just some days you get up and everything goes wrong. Has anybody had that? It's just me. Well, there are just some days it's like, I don't understand the series of things that are going wrong, but everything, I got a flat tire, I got hit by a deer, a goldfish committed suicide, everything's going wrong. You just come to a place where you're like, either I'm going to respond to this, by, ah, or I can get spiritual. And go, ha, 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 There's nothing wrong with having one of those just ridiculous laughs. Or you just turn your attention to heaven and go, ha, ha, ha. Boy, I tell you, I hope y'all can get Pastor Ha Ha back in here sometime pretty soon, too. I'd love to see him be able to come teach you to drink because with joy you draw water from the wells of salvation. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet today. Thank you for letting me shout at you. After I killed the first battery, I toned it down a little bit. That was the cue. God was saying, quit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to practice. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to practice. How about you? Amen. You know what you do? You're a priest. You lift your hands. You know, when you lift your hands, I'll teach you something about lifting up the hands. You know, the, Paul said, I would, I would that men pray everywhere, lifting up hands without wrath and doubting. I know he was talking about men and women, but I think specifically it's about men because men don't like to do it. But when you lift your hands up, there were two 
acts that they did when they lifted their hands up all through the Bible. One was they lifted up their hand and expressed their palm forward like this. The other was when they lifted up their hands and they cupped their palm like this. This was called Todah and this was called Yada and this was called Todah. And they're both similar because the nation of Judah was named after the uplifted hands in praise. So what does it mean when I lift my hands up like this? That means I'm thanking God for everything. I'm expressing all of my surrender and I'm saying, God, thank you for everything you've done for me. Thank you for everything you've expressed to me, everything you've given me, and I've received all your mercy, all your love, all your great salvation. Lord, I'm so thankful what you've done for me. And when you lift your hands up like this, it means that you are now in a position to receive for the future. That you are extending your hands out and saying, Father, I'm going to give you praise for what is about to happen. What you're still yet to do. I'm going to, I'm going to praise you ahead of time. I'm going to thank you ahead of time. Because, Lord, my life is still being filled by your goodness. And so you lift your hands up like that. Hallelujah. You learn to praise a lot in those ways. Let's lift our hands up to God. And I, if you can pray in the Holy Ghost, I want you to do it. And if you can't pray in the Holy Ghost, I want you to try. I want you to lift your voice up. Make it loud. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Now take a big old deep breath and go ha 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 ha. Do it again. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> I tell you, God will heal you. God can do so much through a laugh. Do you know the eighth day was also the day that the Jewish people believed that God created laughter? They believed the eighth day was the day that God created laughter. They believed that because the eighth day was the day that Abraham took Isaac to be circumcised in a brand new day. God creates laughter in a new day. I'm going to tell you, you ought to prophesy with me. It's a new day. My old day is behind me. It's a brand new day in front of me. I don't care what was. I'm pointed towards what is. And so I'm entering into my new day by going, ha, ha, ha. My new day isn't going to be filled with tears. My new day is going to be filled with joy. My future is secure. I know in whom I believe. I've persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. <clears throat> ha, ha, ha. It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Father, I thank you for this great people. I thank you, Lord, for the future. 
or whatever rattling and troubling things that might happen in the coming year. We know this, that you're faithful in all seasons. You are faithful and you watch over your word to perform it. And Lord, you have made promises to us. You have told us things that have not yet come to pass. And Lord, we expect you will honor those things and bring them to pass. Lord, you promised to watch over us, take care of us. And Lord, you've even promised in the word that you bring us into your chamber and you close the door until the indignation is past. God, we thank you that you are our salvation. We're not just looking for an act, some kind of a boat to come along, but we know you are our salvation. You are the one that we have rested our eternity upon, and you've proven yourself faithful. So, Father, we're going to act like we're in heaven already. Lord, they're rejoicing there, and we're going to rejoice here. Lord, when it's, you're ready to take us there, then so be it. But until then, we're bringing heaven here. There are so many around us, God, that in this time we ask you to wake out of sleep. Cause the questions to come across their minds. Lord, I ask you to knock on the doors of hearts, pound and beat on some of them. Lord, do whatever you got to do to rattle people out because we want to see people be saved before that great and terrible time. Lord, we want to see our family members that aren't serving you be absolutely born again, filled with the Holy Ghost and in love with Jesus before these end things come. And God, we ask in Jesus' name that you do it. Holy Spirit, go after them. Holy Spirit, let a fragrance of your oil be so strong on us that when we walk into a room, it affects the atmosphere. Lord, that when we come into the presence of something that's not of God, that the presence of God within our life brings that thing into divine order. Let the miraculous begin to work in the name of Jesus and set things right. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that there be such an impact just because you are now tangible, that you're now manifest upon our life. Lord, begin to speak to us. I'm hearing the Lord say, I am sealing up instructions in the night in many. I'm giving them night visions. I'm beginning to instruct. I'm beginning to lay the plan. I'm beginning to stir these things up where the seeing and the knowing is coming upon my people. And I'm going to guide and I'm going to set. There will be shakings, but things that fall off are things you didn't need. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, do it. Do it. Do it. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm hearing the Holy Spirit say this. The time has come for many of my people that are in the prisons and in mausoleums of religion to begin to become so dissatisfied that they start looking and in the darkest of nights the candles are lit and they'll begin to see they'll begin to see which way they should go and where there truly is light where there truly is water and begin to gravitate to those 
places in the night that I've placed. For there'll be beacons of hope. There'll be shelters from the wind. And they will hide many. And they will be secure. So when they come, they will come with stuff. They will come with issues. They will come with brokenness. But know that I, the Lord, am in your midst. And I've drawn them. And you will love them. You will help them get rid of their grave clothes. You will help them by pouring in oil and wine upon their wounds. You will love them through. Because I've drawn them and I've brought them in from places that they were never going to be changed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ask me, says the Lord. Ask me, and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. Ask me. Who's asking? Who's really asking me? Who really has a heart for the world in which they live? Ask me, and I'll begin to change things. For I want them saved more than you do. I love them more than you do. And I'm stretching out my hand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I thank you for your people. I thank you for Winners Church, God. Thank you for our time together. Jesus' name. One more time. Bow your head. Close your eyes. If there's anyone here, young or old, if you don't know Jesus or you're not sure about where you would spend eternity, listen, I was saved at 10 years of age. 10 years of age, I knew I was a sinner on my way to hell. If I should have died, I would have went to hell. We don't like to tell our kids that stuff anymore, but I'm telling you, it's, it's even more than that. We see kids in our church born again at four and five years old. That the Holy Spirit opens their heart up. I want to ask you today, if you're in this church and you don't know Jesus, you really don't know him, I want to ask you if you would surrender your life to him. Do you feel that he's calling you? Or are you concerned? about where you would spend eternity. Today's your day to settle that. Today, God's inviting you to give your life to Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to lift your hand up and say, Pastor Ben, that is me, and I want you to pray for me today. Pray for me. Pray for me. Anybody. Everybody in this church going to heaven. Praise God. That's great. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. That's good. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. Should the trumpet blow today, we're gone. Or whether it's a lingering of time, we're going to be busy about your business. Because we are the church of the Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Winners Church, for allowing us to come this morning. I hope that you were blessed and I didn't frighten you to death. Amen. <laughs> but I love you. And we'll come back and gather tonight in Jesus' name. God bless you. Amen. Thank you.